Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Let's travel the world together. She can make it easy and in any kind of weather. No TSA, no bad checks, no patting down. She's talking from the skies and sending lives of feel good sounds. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling, there's no doubt. Betty and the Jets. She's weird and wonderful Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen She's wearing high heel shoes Got her wings on, too You know I've never seen a better stew Oh, Hello and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about dog bowls, lice, penguins, twister, broken carts, and an interview with a pilot who is building his own Falker, his own World War I Falker. Fascinating. Anyway, let's just go ahead and get right on with the show. So I was going through security and you know the little white bowls that they have for you to put your loose change or your necklace or your bracelet or your wallet in at uh, TSA. Uh, I always thought they look like dog bowls and um, I just happened to look at the bottom of one the other day and it actually had the tag on it, uh, the sales tag, and it said top paws, paws, as in dog paws, it actually really, they are actually dog bowls. The TSA purchased dog bowls for you to put your stuff in. (laughs) I don't know why this tickles me, but I, I just am surprised that, that, you know, they didn't have some other type of bowl that they thought instead they would go for um, dog bowls for you to put your stuff in. And can you imagine the pet company, how thrilled they must have been when they got the order from the TSA for however many million dog bowls for all the airports across the country. So next time you're putting your stuff in one of those bowls, either turn it over and look and you'll see it says top paws or just realize that you're putting your stuff in a dog bowl. Okay. Okay, wait, so you mean that um, the, uh, from the commercials, the Staples commercials, the button that says, that was easy? That was easy. <laughs> okay, so then what did you do with the, with the that was easy button? After landing, just after landing, I pressed the easy button and it went through the PA. The PA. And passengers thought it was the captain talking and making a comment about his good landing. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> I'm so far away. Have to fly first 
So I was just talking with this flight attendant, and she said they had this very uncomfortable situation to deal with. Uh, they were flying out of New York, and they had already pushed back, and they're doing the safety demonstration. It's a little plane, so they're doing it manually. And um, this woman rings her call bell, and she's sort of waving. And, uh, you know, we can tell when it's nothing and when it's something important. And usually whenever there's hands waving, <laughs> it means it's something important. It's not a, you know, I forgot, I didn't mean to push it, or can I have a blanket? So she goes over there, and the lady goes, she's, she's pointing to the row in front of her. She's like, there's bugs. There's bugs all over her hair. Uh, and so the flight attendant looks, and sure enough, um, she had noticed this family getting on. They, she said they looked a little dirty. Um, they were um, not being very nice to each other. She did notice them. You know, we notice everything. And uh, she could see uh, bugs. I guess they were head lice in the young girl's hair. And, you know, that's a problem on the airplane, especially when you're full with people and uh, think of all the people that could get um, contaminated. So she goes to the pilot and the pilot, uh, they made the decision to go back to the gate to take the family off. And this is very uncomfortable, right? So he makes what he thinks is a really um, nice PA. He's like, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have to go back to the gate due to a health concern. So then they hear a call bell. And guess what? It was the call bell of the mother of the family that's that is having the bug problem. And she says, there's a health problem? Is it contagious? <laughs> this woman is trying, you know, it's so hard when you're dealing with, you know, personal, embarrassing situation not to laugh when the person who's having the health problem is asking, is it contagious? And so the agent comes on and tells the flight attendant to go uh, deal with them and tell them they have to get off the plane. Well, you know, I certainly want, don't want to do that. And so she made the agent do it. But I just did think it was funny that of all the people on a full airplane, the one who rings their bell, who wants to, who's indignant and wants to know, isn't contagious? <laughs> it's the family that's having the bug problem. So I was commuting to work and I was sitting next to a uh, private jet pilot. Um, they're always flying around because they have to meet the jet somewhere. And they're always going on like multiple multiple day trips. And that yeah, sounds like a good job. Anyway, I was excited to talk to him. And I was planning on, um, you know, recording some of the stuff he said. But I was sitting at the window and he was sitting at the aisle. And we were having a nice chat. Uh, and then someone came in and sat in the middle. And then, you know, it just would seem rude to say, oh, excuse me, do you mind if I reach this microphone across you and talk to this pilot? <laughs> but one of the things that he was saying is that he goes to some interesting places and countries. And he was saying some places in Russia, they have to pay for the gas in cash. This is not a long time ago. This isn't 20 years ago. This is now current modern day they have these private pilots have to pay for their jet fuel in russia in cash you know if you think of how much it costs to fill up your car <laughs> you could just imagine how much it costs to fill up a jet so that's a heck of a lot of um currency these pilots are just carrying around with them
know, I can't believe I just had a penguin story. How can there be two penguin stories? Easy. <laughs> 727. We're in the middle of the aisle pushing the beverage cart down along and it's not a full flight. Passengers in the back are waving us down and some other passenger needed assistance. And it turns out his name was Gary. Gary shouldn't have been traveling alone. He should have been traveling with a companion. Yes. He wasn't, you know. He wasn't all there. Yeah. Very sweet man. Fully grown man, might we add. So he had to go to the bathroom and he didn't know what to do. So I showed Gary to the, the lavatory in the back of the plane and I locked the door and I went back to the beverage cart. Not too long thereafter, there's banging on the door and another passenger runs up to get me again. And he's like, something's wrong in there, something's wrong in there. So I open the door. Here comes Gary. Here's the penguin part. Because his pants were at his feet. He's like waddling. His ankles. Yeah, he was doing the penguin with the willy wandering all around. So I had to pull his pants up. It's a dirty job. Somebody has to do it. <laughs> That's true. That's my penguin story. I swear to you. I was traumatized. I had never seen a wiener up close like that before. <laughs> domestic. I did a domestic trip recently. I've mainly just been flying international, but um, I did a domestic trip and I ran into some of my friends that I used to fly with out of LA and it was really fun. And uh, I got to hear some stories that, you know, you know, it's when you're in a smaller base, it just seems like there's a whole bunch more laughter because everybody knows each other. It's kind of, you know, working with friends. So he was saying on that flight, they had just flown. He said they ran out of soap. There was no soap anywhere. We usually have, we have like a bag of extra bathroom supplies and they didn't have soap. So they felt like there should be something in the bathroom that people could wash their hands with. So they decided to put little bottles of vodka in there. And actually we use the vodka. I just had to use vodka on my last flight because a guy threw up all over the place. And um, it's a really good disinfectant, you know, straight alcohol. It's better than Purell, uh, especially I will, I will wash my hands in vodka after dealing with um, cleaning up throw up. Very glamorous. Anyway, they decided to put little bottles of vodka in the bathroom because they didn't have soap. So he's working first class and here's this lady and she's going in the bathroom and he's like, oh, um, miss, there's, um, there's no, we don't have any soap. So there's some vodka in there for you. And she's like, oh, no, I don't, um, I don't have any alcohol till five. And, and he's like, no. <laughs> he meant for her hands. <laughs> He's just laughing, thinking, what kind of strange thinking would that be? We don't have soap, so here's some straight vodka for you to have a shot. <laughs> like, no soap, so <laughs> go ahead and get drunk. <laughs> he said that it just confused the passengers. He said he went in there one time, they were all gone, so someone just went in there and thought, ooh. Free bathroom vodka. <laughs> but the best one was the lady who was like, oh, no, 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 I, I never drink before five. So this comes from a listener named Lee from England. You know, strangely popular in uh, the UK. Not quite sure why, but uh, I'm thrilled 
I'm thrilled that I'm popular in England. Anyway, she said, a funny thing happened some years ago. We were on a flight to, I don't think I'm probably saying this right, but Alicante in Spain from England. And usually the captain comes on the speaker before we take off to introduce himself, etc. But this time he didn't. Anywho, at the end of the flight, the captain came on and said, Hello, this is your captain. My name is Captain Crash. <laughs> on the plane, erupted in laughter, and everybody was clapping for uh, Captain Crash. So this comes from a listener in West Sussex, UK. Again, not quite sure why the uh, Brits, <laughs> the Brits like my show. Yeah, it can be an honorary Brit. Anyway, she says when, this is Carol, said, when my daughter was three years old, we went on holiday to another place. I don't think I can pronounce. Zachneos? <laughs> As the plane was taking off, I asked her to pedal like Fred Flintstone to help the plane take off. So her little legs started and soon enough, we were airborne and she let out a resounding yahoo. Yeah, much to the amusement of many fellow passengers. So when we came to our approach some four hours later, she looked at me and said, should I help stop the plane like Fred Flintstone? And I said, yes. So we were on final descent and the ground was fast approaching. She looked out the window and as soon as she sees the runway, she straightens her feet and makes a braking noise like car brakes and yells, just as we touch down, we're going to crash. <laughs> There wasn't as much amusement at that. So far away, had to see my baby. Okay, so we hate when the passengers are always asking us for pens because lots of times they have a pen, but they just don't want to stand up to get their bag, right? Exactly. Yeah, so what do, they, what do, what do you do when they ask you for your pen? I say, I, I have a pen, yes, but I'm sorry, I cannot lend it to you. That's the one I used to clean my ears. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, this is something I find very strange. Uh, I spend a lot of time in the airport because I commute to and from work. So there's hours to be killed. So quite often I use an airport restroom while I'm in uniform. And it's the strangest thing. It's like people, other women in the restroom have some expectation because I'm in uniform. Since like on the plane, we're always saying, you know, hello, goodbye, bye now, or thank you. <laughs> like, it's like they, they expect a greeting from me to everyone in the bathroom, which uh, I counter would be very strange if I'm brushing my hair going, hello, goodbye, thank you, <laughs> in the women's bathroom. Well, I'm supposed to be brushing my teeth going, hello, goodbye, thank you. <laughs> but they, they actually seem disappointed when I don't greet them in the bathroom. I don't get this vibe or these looks at all as soon as I change my clothes. <laughs> but when I'm in the uniform, I swear... I swear they they want me to say hello, goodbye, and worst of all, thank you. So, you know, for cost-saving measures, the airlines keep making our galleys smaller and smaller, and uh, there's still the same amount of passengers, and on international, the same amount of food service. So on a lot of the airplanes that I work on, there's five flight attendants working in a teeny-tiny space. Um, you have to be just really careful uh, and really nice to each other because 
And, and it's easy to get irritable because you, you just, can you imagine? It's the size of a galley kitchen, but you got five people in a hurry <laughs> trying to serve. Think of, okay, the smallest apartment galley kitchen you can think of, okay? And then think that you're going to have to serve like 50 people a five-course meal <laughs> with five people in there. So I was joking that um, it's like playing Twister because <laughs> you're always like trying to move your arm through their arm. <laughs> like, and not only is it like Twister, it's also kind of like Jenga, you know, the one where you have to like, you're, you're, you're stacking things on top of each other and, you know, pulling one thing out, but it all doesn't fall down. So basically, working in the galley in first class on some of these planes is like Jenga and Twister. Um, and you just better hope that everybody stays in a good game playing mood. Okay, it was when we first got the 767 about 10 years ago, and we um, were in, and the plane broke, a little bitty thing broke on the plane. When it's a brand new plane, it takes forever to get FAA to clear it. So we were sitting there for four hours, and we were just had gotten the video systems, and one of the guys was playing the videos up front. One of the head honchos, big wigs, came on the plane to um, tour the 767. So he came on to tour because nobody had seen it. You know, nobody had ever been on the plane before. So um, this one of the flight attendants, male flight attendant, he had his feet up on the bulkhead and he was playing the video game. And the um, head honcho came on and he goes, Boy, get your feet off that bulkhead. We paid a million dollars for this plane. And he turned around and he said, man, y'all got ripped off because I saw it on eBay last night for half of that. Turned right back around and started playing his video game. And the manager, the head honcho, he didn't know what to say. He just turned around and walked yeah, he's off. like, okay, that's that. That's that. All right, so I was on the beverage cart. And just like anything in the world, you know, things get old, things get broken. And when... A beverage cart, which weighs a lot. I've heard different things. 250 pounds, 300 pounds. When that brake is broken, um, that thing is very difficult to move. And I was on the airplane and the brake um, wouldn't release. So, and it would release sometimes. So I literally would have to just shove it with all my weight to try to move it down the aisle, right? I'm on the cart by myself. And these passengers, nice, wanting to be helpful passengers, whenever they would see me going to shove it, they would all stick their heads into the aisle, like to see if there was something blocking it. And I'd be going, no, 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 don't, I, <laughs> don't put your heads in the aisle as I'm pushing this thing that I don't know if it's going to let go or not, because your heads are very valuable. And the whole way, the whole way down the aisle, I'm like, trying to push this beverage cart. And each time these people would stick their heads in the aisle. And I'd have to say, please, please don't put your heads in the aisle because my cart is broken and I have to push it. And I don't know if it's going to if it's going to go easily or not. So you put your heads in the aisle. And, and I'm, I'm trying to explain this. And, you know, it's just too difficult a thing to process. I don't know, because every time I'd go to push it, there would go all the heads. <laughs> it's just a miracle that I didn't really hurt someone that day. So I got an email from a listener about something 
I've known about for a while, and I actually did contemplate doing it just because I can always use a little extra money, and um, I like to make money, sure, but uh, I don't know, it's just a little, oh, weird. Um, you can actually sell used flight attendant shoes, used cabin crew shoes on eBay. <laughs> there is a market for them. They will buy your worn out, ugly shoes. Um, and, you know, there's a part of me that thinks, great, you know, I'm just going to donate them or give them away or throw them away. I'd love to make money from them, but I don't know. It's just, um, I'm sorry. It's just a little creepy. Okay, so I'm on this trip to Singapore with our mutual friend, Jose. You know, real good-looking Jose that always looks perfect. Oh, yeah. And so we're walking around Singapore, and it's steamy, steamy hot. And, uh, you know, perfect Jose barely has a little bit <laughs> on his forehead. And me, on the other hand, I'm just dripping and soaked all through my shirt. And, and uh, you know, we've gone gotten something to eat. We went to the botanical gardens. And the thing that Jose wanted to do the most was go to the Marine, Marina Bay Sands Hotel. Uh, it's three skyscrapers with like a spaceship on top. Ooh. And with this huge infinity pool with uh, a beautiful view of all of Singapore. And a club up there called Kurita. And you can, you know, go access this club and uh, and enjoy the view of Singapore. We get up there and I'm by the time I walk in, I'm really uncomfortable <laughs> because I'm so hot. And, you know, it's a real stylish club and the music is great. It's all beautiful people there. And so we get a table and I excuse myself to freshen up the restroom and just kind of Wash some water on my face and try to cool off. And so the restroom's downstairs. I splash water on my face. I go looking for hand towels. There's no hand towels. All they have are those hot air things. Well, I would right. not get under one of those covers. They don't really use those in Asia. Oh, yeah. So, okay, third option, TP. <laughs> so I roll up a bunch of TP and I wipe myself off, dry myself off, and I'm thinking, okay, all right, I can go back up now. <laughs> I go upstairs and the music's pumping and it's real, real cool vibe going on there. I walk into the club and I'm walking through, going back towards our table and I notice I'm getting checked out. Yeah, yeah, this is pretty cool. And I see this beautiful woman across and she kind of points at me and, and I'm like, yeah, I, I still got it going on. Yeah, I'm about to get my groove on, yeah. So I get up to the table Jose looks up at me and says, you have toilet paper all over your face. <laughs> I was wondering. I was wondering if toilet paper was the best idea. Yeah, yeah. So the, what I learned from this is don't try to be cool because I'm not cool. <laughs> and anytime I try to be, I end up making a complete fool of myself. <laughs> So I was excited because I got a letter from England, a check from Amazon. It's the first, you know, I ask you guys if you're going to go, if you're going to buy something on Amazon, if you'll click through my site, I get a little percentage, you know, it helps support the show. And um, I don't know how many months ago, someone asked, well, why don't you put some international links, you know, like to Amazon UK or 
uh, Amazon in Germany, um, because people in other countries listen to the show. Um, so I did. And you know, you don't you don't get a check or you don't get compensated until you hit a certain amount. So I finally hit 50 pounds. Um, so I got a check for 50 pounds. And I was excited. I was like, I got a check from England. So I just go to my credit union thinking I'll just deposit it or cash it. And um, I guess I never really thought about <laughs> getting a check in a foreign currency because uh, they said, uh, no, uh, no, no, uh, we c you can't cash it or deposit it. It has to be at least $250. And I'm thinking, well, you know, this is worth like $75, $80. Um, what do I do with it? And they're like, I don't know, maybe take it to the bank it came from. I'm like, in England? I'm like, well, what would, I mean, I, I work for an airline. So, you know, I actually can go to England, but most people are not going to fly to England to cash a $75 check. <laughs> so I don't know actually what a normal person would do if they got this check, but I got a trip to London and I went to, I just went to a regular bank first and just to see if I could uh, cash this check in pounds. And they were like, no. Um, and I said, well, what if I go to this bank? It said Deutsche Bank. And I looked up on the internet, I would need to take like two metro stop, two tube stops to get to this bank. And they were like, I don't think that bank will cash it any either. And I'm like, well, it came from that bank. And they're like, I don't think they're going to cash that. Um, but you can go to a check cashing place. And they told me where one was. So I went to a check cashing place and they said, well, this check is over a month old. And I was like, well, I had to go. I had to get to England. <laughs> I live in the United States. I didn't realize there was a time frame. <laughs> so I went to another check cashing place and they actually cashed it. Um, they charged a fee, but that was all right. But I had to fill out forms. They had to take pictures. They had to write down what hotel I was staying at, references, email addresses. <laughs> but at least, um, at least I know now know that I can cash a check in foreign currency in the country it came from. Uh, at a check cashing place. So thank you very much, people in England. I really do appreciate the, the Amazon clicks. And now I know, so I won't be um, confounded as to what to do with the check and foreign currency. So thank you very much for going to my website when you're gonna buy something on Amazon and uh, spread the love. Thanks. this very interesting you just said what you were doing on your layover which I've never heard anybody say before what did you do on your layover well I went to the uh, I went to a museum to see a uh, example of this a real example of the three-quarter scale airplane that I'm building which is a Fokker Eindecker from World War One see this is what I find fascinating you're you're building a Fokker yes it's a it's a kit plane actually there's a, a, a guy that makes them out in Missouri it's called Airdrome Aeroplanes, and he does Fokkers, uh, he does uh, Sop with Camels, all kinds of World War I airplanes, about 20 of them, actually. Okay, but who's going to check it out, like, to make sure it's, it's if you're making it out of a kit, how are you going to know that it's actually done correctly? Well, that's pretty much going to be up to me, because uh, at this point, the FAA doesn't require, uh, what used to be required is a no-skin inspection by the FAA. Now they don't require that anymore, so it's going to be basically me and a mechanic friend of mine that's going to come by and okay, check I it out every once in a while. Another question: what do you, Can you explain when you say a no skin? No, uh, prior to covering the airplane with uh, fabric, which is what it's going to be covered. So, 
And it's going to be covered in fabric? Yes, like a Dacron. And they still cover airplanes that way. Not just uh, replicas and, and home builds, but uh, if you buy a, like a Waco or a J3 Cub that, that are built these days, they're still fabric covered. Really? Yeah. Okay, I got more questions because I have never ever run into someone who was building a Fokker. <laughs> no, really, like, um, what can just like a normal person, any, any like, because you're obviously a pilot, but can a normal person build one of these kits and actually build a Fokker? Yeah, it's, it's, uh, well, it's not easy, but I will say that uh, there's a chat group online right. that that I went through 21,000 chats to, to see what I could get out of it. And, you know, a lot of them are just nothing, but I did get a lot of information out of these chats. Also, the guy that uh, sells the kits is really good uh, as far as answering his phone. If you have a question, just call him up and answer, and he'll answer the phone. There's no secretary. It's, it's actually him. Okay, because I'm talking from people like myself who don't know much about airplanes. How much... How much does an airplane, a kit that will actually make an airplane cost? The, they, they range, this particular uh, company ranges from around 6000 to up to fifteen. I think is what they're... But that does not seem like a lot of money for an airplane. Well, now that includes the uh, metal and the hardware to create the airframe. It does not include the engine or the instruments. And there's going to be some other hardware and things that you're going to have to pick up. And how can you can you give a guesstimate of how much time you'll probably put into making this airplane? Well, he advertises for this airplane about 400 man hours, which uh, I'm assuming that means you know what you're doing, which I don't. Right. So I'm figuring it's going to be either triple or maybe four times that for me. Just I sit around thinking about how to do things. When if I had the right tool, I'd be able to do it right now immediately. Right. So I and I don't have all the right tools yet either. And so, when you first take it up, will you be taking it up by yourself? That's a one-seater. It's a one-seater? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think I would take anybody up anyway. They, they recommend that you have somebody test fly it for you that's right. experienced with this kind of... See, I, I, you know, I don't have much experience with the small tail drag. Okay, I got one more... So you're just doing this with a Swiss Army knife, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And a rabbit's foot. Yeah. Well, to me, it kind of seems like it's like an airplane, like, you know, you put together furniture at Ikea. Well, it really kind of is. It's not, it's, it's not that complicated. It's basically aluminum tubes, and they are held together with what's called a gusset. And a gusset is a, just a sheet metal, uh, maybe a circular piece of sheet metal or triangular sheet metal that you place over these tubes after you lay them on the table, and then you rivet. You're putting it together with rivets? Yeah. Pop. Wow. Well, uh, pop rivets or blind rivets, if you want to be more technical. And uh, so uh, if you use the rivets you'd use on a jet, it would take two people, and it's very difficult. Uh, these are much easier to do. Okay, I got one more thing. Now, what made you pick that particular aircraft type to, to build and own? You mean like a, as opposed to something with a canopy on it? That, or something. Well, one, I'm cheap. <laughs> two... Uh, the size of the thing, it's, it's a three-quarter scale of the real one. So it's not, you know, it's going to have about a 23-foot wingspan. Oh, really? Yeah. Where will you put it? Exactly. That's one of the reasons I got the small one. <laughs> if I was to make one of the biplanes, this has one wing, the Eindecker. Eindecker means one, one level in German. And uh, if I was to make a triplane, I'd have to make three sets of wings, where right. in this case I only need to make one set of wings. 
Uh, where I'm going to put it? Yeah. I'm not there yet. <laughs> I, ha I, I came upon all these things that were uh, issues, like where am I going to put it, and am I going to insure it, and all these other things. And when, when it all came together like that, I decided not to do it. And then I was walking around mad for a couple days, and, and I finally said, you know, I'm not going to worry about these things right now. I'm going to take it one step at a time, and I've, I've never had more fun than... Like, you're going to take it like, what the fucker? <laughs> ah, that's right. That's right. And so, uh, I'm having a blast not knowing where I'm going to put yeah. it. It will happen. Yeah. There will be, it'll all come together when it has to. And how many people can say that they've built one? There are 70 of them flying that I know, uh, roughly 70 of his kits flying, and probably he's sold in the, in the neighborhood of 500 of them. Really? Yeah. Wow. Over the last 25 years, which he stumbled onto the business. He decided to build himself a Fokker, <laughs> and everybody wanted to know where he got it. He said, I built it. So then he started building kits, and that turned into his life's work. I know. It's just amazing, isn't it? Yeah. I love to hear, um, you know, people's stories. I mean, as soon as you said that uh, you were building a fucker, I just had to know. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is I just happened to have my phone out. I was actually going to show you the, the another app. And, and then when I turned it on, the fucker came up, of course, because that's on my my wallpaper. I, I just had to show you for whatever reason. <laughs> Okay, so I was going to work, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning. Um, now, granted, I live, you know, I live at the beach, so there aren't as many flight attendants as, say, in like a city like New York or Chicago, where there's a, a whole bunch of flight attendants that live and work there. So I'm going out to my car in my uniform, you know, with my ID and my heels you know, my airline uniform, my suitcase, carry-on bag, you know, <laughs> there's, there's, it's very obvious what I am and what I do. So this guy stops me and he goes, uh, I'm guessing that you're a flight attendant. And I was kind of like, uh, yep, yeah, yes, I am. And, and then he just gave me a strange look and I went ahead and got in my car and I was thinking, yeah, what was your first clue, mister? <laughs> was it the airline ID, the wings, the uniform, the high heels, or the suitcase? But <laughs> I'm guessing you are a flight attendant. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel the world together. Thanks. Bye. That was easy. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.